Hello and welcome to the Herbicane Podcast. My name is Simon Osmo and I'm a former UK police detective turned entrepreneur and mindset coach. And on this podcast, I talk with impactful individuals from around the world who have navigated a life pivot, found themselves for a self-discovery to find that thing that we've all been looking for, a happy and fulfilled life. So the excuses are over, my friend. It's time to change our thinking so that we can change our lives and come join me as we dive into this week's conversation to learn how they became who they became. Welcome to the Harper Came podcast. I'm Simon Osimo, and my guest today is Chef Kibby. Now, a few weeks ago, we had an incredible conversation about the power of connection that comes with being in the kitchen around food. Chef Kibby is both an adoptive and foster parent, and he's going to share a moment of his own self-discovery when one of his kids asked to help him cook the nightly meal. But he learned it wasn't so much learning how to cook, but that his child was opening the doorway to a deeper relationship and communication. Chef Kibby's going to tell us how that transformation took him on a path of self-discovery and so much more. But before we dive into the conversation, I want to let you know of a free resource that I created for you. If you head to the show notes, you can download a free guide to create a happier, more fulfilled and balanced life. You'll find the link below. Okay, so let's take a listen to this week's conversation with Chef Kibby. Well, Chef Kibby, I'm really excited for this conversation because you have had an action-packed life and you're doing some incredible things to help others. And I want to start off with a quote from your website and a lot of your social media handles. And it says that you help foster and adoptive parents embrace the connecting power of cooking and eating together because life is better when we are cooking together. I, I can't think of a more powerful way to start this conversation, maybe go straight in there and tell us about this, this same Where Where did that come from? Well, it is something that means a lot to me because, well, cooking has meant a lot to me for, for many years. Obviously, being a chef, I've been in and around the food service industry for over 25 years. And in those years, cooking has been a major part of my life. And it's been something that I've come to know and understand that, that food brings people together. But I didn't quite fully realize how much not just food, but also cooking could bring people together until my life kind of changed over the last couple of years as a result of COVID. Up until about a couple of years ago, I had a somewhat thriving family catering business and was doing hosting small events in our event center in our small town here, Marysville, Ohio, and doing hands-on cooking classes. And that was going really well up until March or April of 2020, when everything got turned upside down and the food service industry definitely being one of those industries that got affected. And when I was kind of forced back into my home and having to kind of sell off the business and kind of retreat to my home kitchen, that was my place of comfort and safety. And in that, I also had to kind of come to grips with a lot of the, the personal baggage that I was dealing with in my life as a biological foster and adoptive dad. It, it hadn't come very easily to me. And there were a lot of tough days, a lot of dark days. And 
COVID didn't really <laughs> help that all that much, at least not at first. But it was in kind of the the confluence, the the coming together of kind of my professional work and my home life that a connection began to to form in my mind that I realized, first of all, that I had some agency in changing the way I interacted with my children, but also the way I interacted with the kitchen to see it not just as a place where I could get my needs met, but also a place where I could begin to meet the needs in my children and most specifically the need for connection. And that was something that I hadn't fully realized before. But as I began to educate myself in kind of modern child psychology and relational neuroscience, listening to podcasts and reading books and taking trainings and getting some really great therapy from licensed counselors, coming to realize kind of those things that were always right there in front of me, but that I didn't realize I hadn't made that connection that children who have suffered in their life are are still suffering. Uh, children, especially those who have come through the foster and adoptive care systems, have experienced some level of trauma. And well, quite frankly, all children who lived through a worldwide pandemic have experienced some form of trauma, and that has affected their ability to, to maintain trust and felt safety and connection. And what I discovered in all of this is that this natural passion for cooking, I could use as a language to speak trust and felt safety and connection into the lives of these children. And, and in so doing, begin to repair relationships and make them healthier. And it's been great for them. And it's been incredibly, incredibly powerful for me as well. And I can't help but want to share that knowledge and information with other people, with other parents, whether they're foster adoptive parents or not, to understand what it is that children need and how we can give it to them through this daily activity of cooking, not just for our kiddos, but with them. And there's so much in there, Chef Kibbe. And I want to make sure we cover a little bit about your passion for cooking before we move into adoption, fostering, the trauma, and how you're overcoming that by, you know, cooking is connecting. So maybe Tell me a little bit about where did your own personal passion for cooking um, start? It's actually an interesting story, Simon, because I actually grew up a pretty picky eater. I mean, my parents would take me to the local pizza place and I would just eat the croutons off the salad bar. I mean, a kid that wouldn't eat pizza, that's, that's kind of strange in and of itself. And I, I, didn't, I wasn't really exposed to a lot of really you know, fancy or interesting cuisines growing up in a small town in Midwest. Ohio. It wasn't until for some strange reason, I decided around 15 years old, I'm going to go to Japan for about a week and a half as a part of a sister cities exchange with my hometown. That was kind of my first venture outside of my culinary comfort zone. Fast forward a few years after that, and I was attending a university at the Ohio State University in Columbus, Ohio. And for those people who are outside of the Midwest or outside of Ohio may not realize that Columbus is a very diverse city. And so living out on my own for the first time, having to cook for myself for the first time, and being exposed to this wide diversity of, of foods, of different ethnicities and backgrounds and cultures, my eyes were, were really opened. And I began to fall in love with food. And 
a few years after that, I ended up going back to to school again and studying culinary arts, becoming a certified chef, and eventually starting my own catering business and the cooking classes. And the rest, as they say, is history. And there's been many sort of significant events in your life. Obviously, you know, the, the worldwide pandemic, uh, as you said, really affected your business, resulted in you need to sell that business. I'd love to tie into, though, your love of cooking and your cooking is connecting. When, when did that come about in your foster care journey and the adoption of uh, one of your children? Maybe sort of, can you sort of tie those together for us? I sure can. Um, our foster adoption journey started, I think, probably about eight or nine years ago. I mean, when my wife and I first met, uh, we had already begun to discuss in our in our process of engagement what we hoped and prayed that our family would look like. And God had already placed on my wife's heart that she wanted to bring in children from outside of her family that she wanted to adopt. As we got to that point years later in our marriage where we were ready to start a family and ready to start bringing children into our home, we weren't at a place financially right then and there to just do a straight adoption. And so we decided to go into to foster care not knowing whether or not we would have an opportunity to adopt out of foster care because you just don't know. Every case is different. Every child is different. We fostered, I think, over a dozen children over the years and have had the opportunity to adopt out of foster care. And that's a wonderful thing. It is a blessing. It is something that God had placed on our hearts to do. But at the same time, it's been very hard. And for many years, I didn't know why it was so hard. And in fact, it was very troubling to us that it was so difficult. You would think that inviting a child into your home, this, this God-inspired um, activity of showing love and compassion to this, to this child that you did not birth, that that would be a very beautiful thing. And it ended up being very ugly. And we didn't understand at the time that the reason for it, the reason why we were having so much difficulty was because there was not a, a natural attachment there, and that that attachment had to be built and developed and nurtured. We thought that we could parent them just the way we did our own children, and that everything would turn out okay. And, and that was at least the case for me. In my parenting, I had a very hard time seeing myself as anything else than who I was. If my children didn't accept me for who I am and how I parented, and that was their problem and not mine. <laughs> and fortunately for me, I had the great blessing of having the catering business and my online content development and the cooking classes that I could, I could kind of hide and escape in my work and then just kind of pray for my wife that God would enable her with all of the, the strength and the perseverance to give these children what they need because I could not. And I lost that escape through the COVID pandemic. By, by losing the catering business, I could no longer escape into my work. I had to face the facts. And it was at that point where I basically had to make a decision. Do I want to continue to be stubborn and be frustrated with my parenting, with my marriage, with my children? Or do I want to humble myself and say, something has to change and I have to figure out what I need to change in order to make things better? And Thankfully, I chose the latter, and that's what really brought me into this space where I began to see what I'd always seen to some certain degree, that food brings people together, and that cooking is a way for me to 
to show empathy and compassion for other people. But then when I began to understand the neuroscience and the brain chemistry of, of you know, what many people consider to be trauma-informed care, a light bulb went off. And actually, Simon, there was a specific moment when the light bulb really went off. And I love sharing this story because it is in the most unlikely of conditions. When my child came up to me one evening while I was prepping dinner, she came up and asked me if she could chop up my vegetable scraps for me. She wanted to take the scraps that I was not using that was just going to go into the compost or we were going to throw out in the yard for the chickens to eat. And she wanted to chop them up and do something with them. And there was I was a lot of hesitation there because there's a lot of things that could go wrong. There's a, it kind of disrupted my flow a little bit and it's kind of inviting herself into my world, into my space and into my kitchen, my safe zone. But in that moment, I, I chose to say yes. And I gave her an apron and a cutting board and a knife that was appropriate for her skill at that particular time. And I tell you what, Simon, it I still look back on that moment as the day that everything changed for me. And when I began to see that cooking is connecting, that it's not, it's more than just the food. It is the compassion that I am showing and modeling to my children by letting them see me make food for them and then allowing them to be invited into that, that activity, that, that sacred trust that is involved with preparing food for someone else that they are going to eat, that they're going to consume, that they're going to put into their bodies, and in a strange kind of metaphysical sort of way, kind of become a part of them. Now, I know that my children don't understand it that way, but my children have eaten food enough times to know that there is a connection between eating and the way we feel. And for them to be given the opportunity to partake in that activity and to be able to sit down at the table and to see the faces of the other members of their family enjoying and embracing something that they may have just cracked an egg. They may have just, you know, tore up some of the, the broccoli into florets, or they might have just chopped up the vegetable scraps, which wasn't even a part of the meal anyway. But they participated in that activity and they make the connection that they're more safe, that they're more trusted, and they can trust me more. And that felt safety and connection begins to change the way they see themselves and they see me. And that's when we begin to see healing and transformation in our children. Does that make sense? It does. And I imagine most people that are listening to this, if they're like me, age 43 years old, was raised at a time where my mum cooked a home-cooked meal every day. We had some of that connection and we've most probably drifted away from the lifestyle that you're, you're now living. And I don't believe I'm alone when I'm saying that I don't always do that in my own family. It is a challenge, but it's something that for sure my wife really wants us to get back to having these meal times to, together and stuff. And I think um, when we just look at our lives in general, that connecting around the dinner table is a key part of it, isn't it? Is is asking Chef Kibby, what happened to you today? You know, what did you enjoy about your day? You know, what are, what are you reflecting on? Removing those screens uh, and everything that, that goes with it. You know, you see some, I'm not going to say this doesn't happen in my family because it sometimes does, you know, but you can look around and everyone's looking at a screen while they're eating and there's just no, no connection and togetherness. So I better stop there before I really get myself in trouble with, with my wife for laying bare all our bad practices. But, but it is true. But 
So I hear all that, and that's really great stuff you're doing. Tell me a little bit how you started to tie that into. One of the things I read about you was the sort of rupture can be repaired, and a lot of it is around that dinner table through cooking, about some of the children that you're fostering from broken homes. They've seen some horrific things that most of us wouldn't want to have in our own families. Maybe tell us about how you're using this connection time to help sort of heal some of these people in the fostering um, care system. Absolutely. I mean, studies have shown that just sitting down to eating a meal with your family is going to have a positive impact on physical health and mental health outcomes both now and in years to come. And that's actually been one of the blessings in disguise, if you will, of the COVID-19 pandemic is that children are no longer participating in a lot of extracurricular activities and being outside of the home. And so more families did have an opportunity to sit down at the table together. And that's a great thing. That is kind of one level of connection of sitting down and eating together. I feel like that next level of connection with our children is the cooking for them because it's that expression of empathy, of compassion, of I am here to meet your needs, that specifically to your point, children from hard places, whether they have experienced food deprivation or not, food is something that is felt. It is something that is embodied. And so it is very central to a child's feeling of felt safety and trust and connection that those connections have been broken or severed because of things that other grown-ups have done to them or on their behalf and bringing them into, into my home or to the home of someone who's listening as a foster or adoptive parent. That child has experienced a certain sense of powerlessness and vulnerability. Even if you are the most loving of caregivers, it takes time for those mental connections to be made in their mind for them to be able to turn off some of the chronic anxiety that is kind of built up inside of them because of the trauma that they've experienced. Again, whether food related or not, but food is something that we can use to communicate that trust and felt safety and connection to them multiple times a day. And so not only sitting down to eat with them, but to cook with them and then to invite them into the kitchen, I feel like is like the pinnacle of the connecting power of food, because not only are we meeting their needs and showing them that I, your caregiver, this person whom you now look to as, as your parents or, or someone who is caring about your needs, I am showing you that I am doing this for you and I will continue to do this for you. I'm going to remove the mystery around food and, and drink. And then I'm going to then invite you into that space where you can begin to see as a child how you can begin to meet those needs for yourself and for others in your life. And from my own experience, based on what I've seen in my home and what I've heard from other parents, other caregivers, other professionals in the mental health industry, they see this as a very profound and useful and quite frankly, practical way of, of developing therapy around children who have come from hard places and need to know that they are in a place where they can begin to relax, let their cortisol levels begin to subside and begin to trust and to connect again. And that takes work. It takes reps. 
But thankfully, we get to feed our children several times a day. And if we're looking at food and cooking at the kitchen from a standpoint of trying to connect mentally and relationally and emotionally with our children, then we're less likely to see the perhaps negative or intimidating aspects of cooking, like the time it takes or the money it takes or the preparation it takes or the anxiety that we get around the kitchen because some people have not been raised like you, where you had a, a mom or a dad cooking for them very often. And so the kitchen might be a source of anxiety for them. And and that's okay. And that's what's great about the position that I'm in is because not only can I sh- teach and instruct people on how to use the kitchen as a place of connection, I can also teach them about cooking because I happen to be a chef. So I've got that going for me too. And as I listen to your story, it's really powerful because I can see, you know, I talk about sort of self-discoveries, transformations and life pivots. And obviously we're, we're hitting a lot of these during our conversation. But I keep coming back to a story you told about your daughter when she was saying, you know, Dad, can, you, can I cut me scraps of food up, up with you? And it sounds like, Chef Kibbe, and please shout me down if Simon's way off the mark, but it really sounds like you had quite a big self-discovery perhaps surrounding how you were parenting, how you were being perceived by your daughter because she was craving this, this connection. I'd love to know, what have you learned about yourself in sort of uh, reflection as to the type of father that you were before you had this discovery about connecting through the dinner table, albeit that you were, were a chef? Well, I've, I've learned to trust. I've learned to trust other people, which that was something that I struggled with in my professional career as well, of being able to trust even other professionals in the kitchens in which I worked, whether I was the one in charge or just sharing a line, you know, a kitchen line with other people, is allowing myself to be vulnerable enough to allow other people to do things for me or with me. That was a a point of contention as well in our catering business because I was working with other family members, which can kind of, you know, muddy the waters a little bit, changing the dynamic when I'm having to tell my mother-in-law how I want a certain thing to be chopped. It can make things a little bit weird from time to time. And so it put me in a position, Simon, where I really had to get comfortable with being vulnerable and being able to share this place, the, the, the kitchen, which was my retreat, it was my place of comfort and felt safety to be able to have some control in my life and to give up some of that control by allowing my child, a child with whom I didn't really have a very good relationship, to come in and to share that space with me and to know not only that I could, but that she would benefit from it and I would benefit from it as well. Because When I'm talking about cooking as connecting, it is more than just the connection that is made within the walls of the kitchen. It's creating these new and healthy neural pathways in in my in the child's mind and also in my own that will have an impact on all of our interactions any moment of the day. And I think that's what all parents want, whether you're a foster adoptive or a biological parent. We want not just a fix for behaviors, but how do we mend relationships? How do we make them work better? And it takes nurturing. And it's it's so fascinating that the nurturing process that we're doing for our bodies and cooking and eating together can also help to nurture our relationships as well. Yeah, I love that. 
In looking at your website, I think it was earlier today, I saw a 20-day challenge to connect with your child. And I'm going to scare a lot of people here because you start talking about cooking for 20 straight days with your child. And everyone's, as you said earlier, you know, I'm, I'm too busy. There's, there's so many things going on. But I'd love for you to share a little bit about that 20-day challenge that you have and maybe where people can get some information um, for it. Because I'm going to try, I'm going to put it out on this podcast, Chef Kippy. I'm going to try to talk to my wife about doing this 20-day challenge because I do believe, like you, it will make a big difference in just for connections and the relationships with my two sons. So maybe tell us about your 20-day challenge for, for families. Well, just to tamp down some of the anxiety and worry in your mind or in anybody else's mind who's listening to this right now, the idea behind the Cooking is Connecting 20-Day Challenge is not to challenge you to cook for 20 straight days. It is not that kind of challenge. It is a 20 days and 20 different kind of mindset shifts that I want to challenge you to have in and around the activities that can, can come about in cooking and eating together with your children to take the things that you may already be doing or could potentially do with your child without learning anything new about the kitchen, but do it from a standpoint of connection to, to look at things differently. Because I think if you allow yourself to change mentally, to change your perception, to see things from a different vantage point, then you'll begin to realize the potential that you have right in front of you, especially if you happen to be standing in the kitchen while you're listening to this podcast, that there is a powerful connecting opportunity in and around cooking and eating together with your children. And the, the 20 days of emails are to take kind of research-based child psychology of 20 activities that studies have shown that children need to partake in in order to, to develop strong and healthy attached relationships with their caregivers and to see how you can do every single one of those 20 activities in around the kitchen. And again, there may be some new things for you. It may be challenging you to, to cook more or to learn some new recipes or to pick up some new techniques like, you know, learning how to handle a kitchen knife or, you know, purchasing certain pieces of equipment in order to create more opportunities to, to take advantage of this mindset. Um, that's not the purpose of the challenge. The challenge is really about seeing yourself, seeing your child, and seeing the kitchen differently. And I believe that once you have done that, the rest of the benefits, the rest of the, the transition that, that needs to take place will come about much more smoothly. And it's interesting, as I'm hearing you talk there and reflecting on your words, I think that the challenge can go wider than perhaps just families. I think that the challenge could go for connection just within relationships as well, couldn't it, where some, some partners are passing ships in the night. So I think if there's anyone listening to this podcast that doesn't have a family right now, I'd most probably encourage them to, to go through uh, Chef Kibbe's 20-day challenge just to connect with your, connect with your partner. So um, uh, really interesting stuff. And I want to, as we start to wrap up, I really want to cover something which has been niggling away at me. It's been bugging me since we started this conversation. And I know you mentioned a couple of times that the global pandemic in 2020 forced you to sort of sell your business and reevaluate. But it seems to me that you lost a lot 
during the global pandemic, but you also gained a lot in rediscovering yourself. So the pandemic in your mindsets might actually have been a good thing for you, Chef Kibby. I'd love to get some reflections on that. It's just been niggling away at me as you've been talking, but um, I think you really took a negative situation and it's really changed who you are so much for the better as a father, as a husband, and as a business owner. Am I off the mark here? Am I close to the mark? I'd love to know what you what you say to that. You're totally on the mark, Simon. And well, first of all, I would not wish a pandemic to happen. I wish it didn't take that in order to have this transition happen in my life, but it did. And by the grace of God, I was able to be humbled by it and finally remove kind of the blinders and allow myself to begin to see things differently in my own mind, to see myself differently, to see my family differently, and to see that I do have some agency to make changes in my life. It wasn't a night and day change. It wasn't an overnight, everything's different. I am still struggling with some of the things that many of the people who are listening on the other side of their devices are struggling with. And I don't always, I don't always get it right, but I'm, I've seen, I see things differently and I feel like I have a, a journey that is very similar to a lot of other people, but because of the unique positioning that I have of being someone who is a certified chef and a parent of children from hard places, I can put those two things together because I've allowed myself to be vulnerable and to allow myself to be changed by my circumstances to to then serve other people and to share my story with other people in a way that is is not to to draw attention to myself or even to get pity for all of the the hardships that I've gone through because I know a lot of other people have had it a lot harder than I have but I know because I've I hear from them that my story is resonating with people and it is giving them a sense of hope that there is hope for relationships to be mended whether it be like you said with a, a spouse or a partner or a child or or a caregiver a mother or father and it can be done yes there's all sorts of different therapies out there and activities and retreats and places you can go and hundreds and thousands of dollars you can spend to make changes in your life but wouldn't it be great if there was something you could do with the knowledge you have with the tools you have with the ingredients you have in your pantry to begin to bring about healing in a relationship that is my message and that is my hope for anyone who is listening to my voice right now well chef kibby from a man that holds this conversation with you that has two adoptive brothers and uh, my dear mother has fostered most probably 30 plus children in her life. I'm incredibly grateful for everything that you do to give those people less fortunate than yourself a, a stable upbringing. So I'm really respectful for what you and your wife are doing and I'm really excited for your future in, in connecting these children back to themselves through through cooking. So Let's just end with your 20-day challenge and your website. Where can people find more information if anyone wants to take up this 20-day challenge? And maybe they can report some results to, to one of us as well. So uh, where can people find you, Chef? I would absolutely love that. The easiest way to find me is simply cookingisconnecting.com. 
cookingiscannecting.com. That's where you can learn about the 20-day challenge and the Cooking is Connecting podcast. You can also find me on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, sorry, I'm not on TikTok, although I do have the moves for it. So maybe one of these days. We'll see. Well, Chef Kibby, it's been an honor and a privilege. I look forward to talking to you soon. You have a great evening. Thank you for joining the Who I Became podcast. To help spread this inspiring story, be sure to share it with your friends, hit the like button, and of course, subscribe to our channel so you won't miss out on any future episodes. We'd also love to hear how this story impacted you. So leave us a comment on whatever platform you're watching us from. To learn more about this episode, our guests, or Simon, head over to simonosimo slash podcast and sign up to receive the latest information delivered straight to your inbox. Once again, thank you for joining us for the Who I Became podcast.